situation we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network, the world for people who think... It's ugly, it's fascinating, and it's fascinating in its ugliness. The 2016 U.S. presidential race has seen so many sensational twists and turns, and its implications are so clearly horrendous for the United States and for the rest of the world that we can barely turn away from the next statement, scandal, or knock-on effect that this contest of wills presents us with. Kong Kong, King Kong versus Godzilla does not even begin to describe it. But describe it we will, because whoever wins... Everyone loses. So, welcome back, everyone, to Behind the Headlines on the SOT Radio Network. Today we're going to be discussing King Kong versus Godzilla with a full house of SOT editors. We have over from our European division, Joe, Neil, and Bo. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hello. Welcome, Bo. I think it's been a long time since we've had you on the show I it's can't remember first. the last time. It's a first. I a think you... first. <laughs> really? Wow. Okay. Bo is one of our Bo is one of our hottest start editors, so uh, he'll be hot to trot on the show. <laughs> I mean, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and check out uh, his latest piece on Sot was the little expose on the Syrian Observatory for Human Rights. So if you haven't checked that one out, check it out because, I mean, you always hear about them or that guy, but no one really knows who he is. So. Go there for the scoop. Mm-hmm. Spread the word. Let people know it's propaganda. And then over here, we have William. Hello, everyone. Shane. Hey. And I am Harrison. So welcome back. We're just going to get right into it by dis- discussing these two clowns um, running for president. And I guess, first of all, did everyone watch the second debate? We did here. Mm-hmm. Did you yes. guys watch it over there? Best movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know, but I might have got a few. Highlights. Well, it, it, best movie ever. It actually was very entertaining. <laughs> we all sat down and watched it, and it really is like watching a a reality TV show or a, you know some kind of game show because it was it was just genuinely entertaining in a way that it probably shouldn't be, but which it ends up being just by virtue of the fact of these two people. Who are running? So we were laughing and uh, and cheering and uh, booing. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's oh, like really? It's like a reality TV show. Slow motion, uh, mm-hmm. but you can't look away. Uh-huh. You know something bad's going to happen. Well, it's Tom Strong, sir. I mean, he's been on reality shows, right? Yeah, or he, yeah yes. he hosted one yes. too. Mm-hmm. So he he knows all the the drama creation and techniques to to use. Well, and he kind of just puts his his Twitter personality into um, the TV format, so the insults are all there. I mean, he's famous for his Twitter insults and his kind of one-liners and uh, comebacks, so that was actually the most entertaining part of the show, is the the kind of one-liners that he'd bring, like when he said that Hillary, if he was, uh, you know, if he was in charge, that uh, she'd be in jail, and of course, (laughs) during the 
during the debate that the crowd, you know, within the debate venue just erupted in applause and cheers and the debate moderators are like, okay, you know, everyone be quiet. But I think that just shows, um, you know, where the public sentiment is when it comes to this aspect of it. You know, they, they really hate Hillary and maybe even like, cause Trump does have a lot of supporters, but he's also got people who are supporting him just by virtue of the fact that they hate Hillary even more. So to hear him say that he'd send Hillary to jail is kind of like, uh, it's something that people can hope for and latch on to. <laughs> Well, it's funny because you know you really don't like Trump. I mean, he's not—he's—he's just such a such a a caricature, and but you still find yourself rooting for him because Hillary's so despicable. Um, He's the underdog. Yeah, what do you guys think about that? What do we think about Hillary? The whole dynamic between the two of them, like, and the the support for Trump over Hillary. It's it's like no other. I mean. Has there ever been such an acrimonious standoff between the two main candidates? Not that I ever remember. One is, one is threatening to put the other in jail, and the other is <laughs> threatening, well, well, calling the other one uh, a fascist. Uh, a fascist, racist, racist, xenophobe. An agent of the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's... I mean, uh, the third debate... But they're probably gonna be armed. They can just shoot it out and just—they can have a duel, you know. But the, give, well, the give them tasers. Is, yeah, the whole thing is a farce, you know. Um, and it's embarrassing, you know. Obviously, it's embarrassing uh, for everybody. I mean, this is supposedly people. People are. We were. Just, I was just talking to Bo the other day <clears throat> about the fact that people all around the world, uh, you know, people on the other side of the world are paying attention and even talking in terms of oh, who do you think is going to be president and if you just imagine like you're in Australia or <clears throat> Indonesia or somewhere you know or Japan <coughs> excuse me and um, you hear somebody in the street saying you know wondering who's going to be president two people discussing who's going to be president president you would think that they're talking about their local local like, <laughs> country or their, their, their own people but more than likely, they're talking about. Or you might be surprised to realize that they're talking about the American president, and that obviously exposes the fact that uh, we do live and have lived for a long time in a U.S. empire, where what happens in America uh, affects uh, many people, and, and many people around the world are aware that that is the case. That's why they're talking about it. I mean, you don't hear someone in the other side of the world talking about who's going to be president in France necessarily or whatever, but you hear them talking about. Uh, who's going to be present in, in the U.S. because it's important to them and it shouldn't be important to them. The fact that it's important to them means that the U.S. has been sticking its nose into just about everybody else's business for the past 70 years. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's a global embarrassment in that sense then, you know, everybody's uh, just really embarrassed about the fact that, you know, this global leader that is, you know, that everybody uh, kind of looks to and is forced to look to effectively and now has... Uh, to two people you have to, that have to be picked from to represent it and therefore represent or influence or have an effect on by implication just about everybody else in the world and they're a couple of idiots you know one, well, one of them is a war criminal and the other one is um, a big doofus uh, who neither of them presidential in any by any stretch of the imagination neither of them talk or embody 
uh, you know, what, what people would understand or would uh, recognize as being uh, presidential material, as in, you know, um, eloquent, restrained, uh, intelligent, uh, emotionally intelligent, all of these things. I mean, you have to go back to JFK to find somebody who was effectively a statesman uh, and who spoke like one. Uh, everybody else since then have been a bunch of, uh, uh, well, they've been pulled out of the human garbage, garbage bin, you know, uh, out of the trash can. That's who they are. And they've been elevated <clears throat> to this position where we all have to decide. You know, I'd rather go down to uh, the local uh, gypsy camp or something and pick two people from there, you know. Uh, it'd be a pretty much the same thing. Um, not that I don't think it's gypsies. Uh, even though I do. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so <clears throat> I just think, but yeah, it's funny and it's stupid and we have to analyze it and there's all this stuff that two of them are surrounded by uh, everything or things that really should not should should um, ex- exclude them from even running for president. So there's this almost like schizophrenic or <clears throat> paradoxical thing to it, where we shouldn't be talking about these things about these candidates uh, when in, in the context of them being president. Mm-hmm. You know, which ones the least bad. You know, it's just it's just unbelievable to be honest. And I don't know where did it all go wrong. You know, how did it, how did we get to this point where these people are actually going to be leaders of the free world? <clears throat> but having said all that, yeah, um, I thought it was funny that uh, <laughs> Trump at least provides a bit of kind of comic relief in a certain sense. <laughs> um, Hillary just makes you want to vomit. Um, Trump, at least, I mean, at a rally uh, a few days ago, he was talking, he brought up the topic of, of doping in sports and saying that you know, there's a lot of stuff in the news about, you know, allowed to, the athletes who dope uh, should, should, should be ineligible, you know, for any prizes or for competitions that should be banned, basically. And that's been in the news a lot. He brought that up for, to make the, the point that uh, he thinks that for the na- next and final debate, uh, which is on Wednesday, I think, um, that they should have a drug test. Both he and Hillary should have a drug test before the <laughs> debate uh, to see who's doping. Uh, see, because what he said was, he said that because in the last debate, he said he saw her when she came in and she was pumped up. They had her all pumped up. These are his exact words. <laughs> they had her pumped up. So somebody in the back room must have like shot her up with a bunch of amphetamines or something, or something to pump her up to keep her going. He said, but by the end of it, she was like, oh, my God, get me out of here. I can't stand anymore, you know. So the drugs had worn off. And so on this basis, he said, for the next uh, event, you know, if it's illegal in <clears throat> for the next uh, debate, if, if doping is illegal in terms of performance enhancement in sports, it should also be illegal in presidential debates as performance enhancement. You shouldn't be allowed to enhance your performance in front of the public and thereby possibly win a debate on the basis of having taken illegal drugs or any kind of drugs. People should see you as you are. So uh, <clears throat> I think it was a fair point, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the uh, a Democratic strategist by the name of David Axelrod just uh, suggested that Hillary should cancel the third uh, debate or not show up for it because mm-hmm. of Trump's comment about the drug test. Mm-hmm. It just came out today. He said that he's a well-known strategist. Uh, I thought that was kind of a funny little uh, immature response. He said that Trump should what? No, that Trump, that Hillary should not show up or just basically 
uh, cancel her appearance at the the third debate. <laughs> so then, because yeah. the Trump has stooped so low as to suggest taking a drug test. Well, well, that be that's good advice, but it's not good advice for Hillary because if she did that, everybody would probably he, Trump would then immediately go, "Well, she didn't show up because yeah. she knew yeah, she was exactly. going to fail the drug test." Yeah, exactly. Well, so, what kind of strategist do the does Hillary have? <laughs> but, well, that that reminds me of a story that Brent told uh, on the on last week's cop roundup about the he was giving the summary of just the um how broken the co- the policing system is and how cops that get caught for something will just uh go around from like um place to place city to city because that's how they can kind of clear their record and just start again and this he gave the, the example of this one guy who just he was in something like nine different um precincts or or whatever they're called and um one time he'd been caught with a bunch of drugs and, and they said they were going to give him a drug test. And he said, what? I ain't taking no drug test. I'm out of here. <laughs> it's, it's like, that's the mentality. That, and yeah, so you're yeah. right. If, this, if that were to happen, that's what Clinton would, it would exactly what it would look like. It's well, you know, I'm not taking, I ain't taking no drug test. Or, yeah. or we could go with, uh, so Putin, he recently had a, a suggestion for yeah. the, uh, the Olympic doping, which was because all these U S dopers you know mm. they were claiming that they had asthma and you know all these illnesses so they needed to take these doping drugs in order to perform you know that so they should have a special olympics just for these athletes yeah. with these illnesses so, so you know we should we should have a, a special presidential <laughs> election where just all the dopers yeah. can go and yeah and well they all have oh yeah hillary Hillary could have Hillary could be in that one, and it could be like called like should we call instead of the president of the United States, should we call like the I don't know crackhead president of the United States or dope up president of the United States? could create a new position, and she could it could be a part not parallel, but it could be there, and it's, and it could be a ceremonial position, ceremonial, yes. you know, right. like the Queen of England. She could be just the head, the crackhead of state <laughs> in, in America, and then she could just you know say stuff now and again, and everybody could ignore her. They could pretend like they're listening, but yeah. really it's just like a pat on the head. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we have now, though, isn't it? Mm. Well, they they get attention from plenty of people around the world, but I think. Yeah. So, I mean, people are, the whole mainstream media obviously is pretty much for Hillary and against um, Trump. Uh, that's pretty obvious. Even the Republican Party. I've kind of wanted to ditch Trump, like so. I mean, doesn't doesn't make much difference, I suppose, but because he's kind of funding his own campaign mostly. But, um, but it's pretty clear that they don't want Trump. At least the you know the establishment, as in both political parties, the Democratic National Convention or whatever, the Democratic Party and the big wigs and the Republican Party big wigs, big wigs at this point, most of them probably don't want Trump to be president. They want Hillary to be president. That's the that's, that's kind of like the political. Angle and then obviously the you know, probably executive branch etc. Et uh, under Obama and all those all those people don't want him to be president either. The media doesn't want him to be president. Um, the only thing left then is a little small detail of whether or not the people want him to be president. Well, Trump has uh, set the GOP record for most individual donors ever. Oh yeah. Yes, that, that was. I think just came out yesterday or today. Huh. So there are like rank and file yes. Republican Party Republican Party members who still like him. Uh-huh. Uh, that, that a clear division is formed that you know the establishment slash the top top tier, yeah. the top tiers maybe it trickles down a bit. They want Trump in. 
don't know. Top tier at, at almost any cost. Top tier of who? Top top tier of U.S. society. Whether you're in the military, whether you're in the so-called liberal press uh, or so-called conservative press, mainstream media is uniform. Universally, they want Clinton in. They want Clinton in. Universally anti-Trump. Yeah, anti-Trump. Okay, you yes. said. They and then Trump in. we've got we have clues, despite what the quote unquote scientific polls say. There are a lot of clues mm. that Trump is by far the more popular. Um, mm. But this kind of division is uh, it's typical, actually. It's typical. It's typical for a lot of presidential elections, uh, yeah, where basically the establishment wants somebody and uh, the people want somebody else. I mean, it certainly has happened well, before. Can you, can you imagine the people's person winning, though? When has no. that happened in such a high stakes Yeah, but they, they've always relied on the media to swing right. it. Mm-hmm. And that's what and the media is trying to do right now. But no one really listens to them. Well, I mean, I think I think the, the influence of the mainstream media is as low as it's ever been because of... Mm. Various factors like but social media, right? But they're getting the news bites out there. And I mean, yeah. it's not like people don't have to necessarily read the New York Times mm-hmm. back cover to cover type thing. Uh, but they're throwing out there. They're on on social media, and it's all. I mean, they have uh, reached. I think anybody who's listening, mm-hmm. they have actually reached all those people with this propaganda, not propaganda, but these these things about Trump and his. Uh, is so-called misogyny or, or whatever you would call it. I don't, I don't even think it's misogyny. I mean, you can't call him misogynist. That's someone who hates women. Trump obviously has an... Uh, sexist. A somewhat, yeah, so he's sexist. Uh, he's crass. He's locker room, whatever you want to call it. Mm. Um, so, but I, think I mean, why women... The thing is, if that swings women voters against him, then women voters aren't really thinking well, no, I mean, the, about it because obviously what's he going to do? He's not going to form some kind of an anti-women society in America or he's not going to pass laws that discriminate against women. That's not what this is about. I mean, if you, women naturally, you can understand why they would <clears throat> be repulsed by the kind of things he does, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be any worse off under him or any better off under Clinton. Things, I mean, there's, there's sexism is rampant and endemic in, in the halls of power in the U.S. I mean, it has been for decades. Uh, for people to think that Trump would institute some kind of new level of sexism with on Capitol Hill is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Sexism and discrimination against women is part of Capitol Hill. Is part of the patriarchal society that is America. Trump is not going to influence that at all. His personal transgressions are not going to influence that one way or the other. So people who think they're not going to vote for Trump because something bad will happen are deluded. Uh, and if they think Hillary as a woman is going to change that or is going to stand up for women's rights or something like that, they're also deluded. Hillary is going to try and bomb as many countries around the world as possible and kill as many people as possible and make life worse and worse uh, for all Americans uh, in the country. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's the so, same, it's the same dynamic that you know uh, the U.S. government uses when they try to sway or change the opinion against uh, you know another country. They'll focus on human rights violations and you know th- these things that really don't have uh, much to do with uh, foreign policy. So you uh-huh. know they'll, they'll you know when when they were going after when they were beginning to go after Russia, they were looking at gay rights and and you know they do the same thing in the United United States. And, you know, it's, it's to basically focus in and hone in on these issues that don't have uh, global significance. And basically yeah, by trying to uh, uh, look away, have people look away from 
you know, the things that really matters. And so mm-hmm. just in this case, they're, you know, try, they're applying it to individual candidates. Right. Yeah. I mean, every presidential season, if you will, especially one where the nomination is up in the air for a Democrat or a Republican, uh, a newcomer, yeah, you get the single issue voters who like all they care about is one thing. And that's, you know, if whichever one is on that side, that's who they're going to vote for. So feminists are going to vote for Hillary because, well, uh, Trump is just this evil person who hates women. So I'm voting for Hillary and they don't think about anything else that Hillary does or anything that she uh, stands for. Right. That's it, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm sure it's the same that's, way on other sides, that, too. Yeah, that's bizarre, though, that you're talking about having the majority of voters in the U.S. are going to be voting for two people who shouldn't be uh, are not uh, really eligible by any normal human standard to be president mm-hmm. of America. But you have apart from that, you have those two people who are standing and then the vast majority of voters in America are going to be voting for those people <clears throat> based on things that don't matter. On the on the small insignificant issues, that's what's going to decide which one they vote for. Mm-hmm. It's almost inconsequential at this point. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's consequential from our. It has consequence from our point of view in, in terms of our understanding of the deeper issues and who Hillary is and who Trump is and what is the lesser of two evils. But it just means that it's a, it's basically a lottery. You know, when you have people voting uh, for a person, like on whether or not they like their hairstyle, basically is what you're talking about, that level of insignificance of the issue, those single voter issue, single issue voters, it's like they may as well be voting on whether or not I like Hillary's uh, outfit mm-hmm. and whether or not I identify with Trump's hairstyle, which is very few people, obviously, because it's not really hair at all, is it? <laughs> plastic. It's actually Chinese plastic. That's why he goes on about China so much. <laughs> China made my hair. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, this, I mean, the other aspect of this is obviously Hillary's criminality and stuff. And, um, and the whole leaked emails that there's another aspect of the propaganda against Trump. Um, effectively is, is that, uh, the emails that are coming and we have assumed for for quite a while now, these emails, uh, Podesta, this her campaign manager's emails that are being released, given to WikiLeaks, and then released, and they've been coming out over the past few days, more tranches of them. Um, but this this is being done by someone from within uh, Hillary's own camp, and the reason we say that is because if you remember a few several weeks ago, after a speech or something somewhere. Um, I think it was in Florida. No, maybe it wasn't. I don't know where it was. Anyway, the, the the famous kind of now famous video of her kind of being dragged like a sack of potatoes into the van, and she when you know, she collapsed. That was in New York. In New on York, 9/11. right on nine eleven. Exactly. She was down giving a talk about how great nine or how bad. I mean, how, whatever. How nine eleven was something. Anyway, uh, and she falls into the car, and she's dragged like a sack of spuds into the car. Uh, and the fact is that. Not many people at the time uh, really commented on it, commented on it, but we did the fact that that was an area where there was no media pool cameras allowed at all, and they're pretty strict about that. 
yet there was this video of her standing there taken by someone. The only person who could have taken that plausibly was someone from within home camp. And someone was waiting with a high-def camera to, to, to picture to, or to, to, to video her uh, in a pretty bad condition and then releases it to the public. So that that video itself was evidence of there being uh, someone inside the Hillary camp who didn't like her and wants her to fail. Now we can probably extrapolate that there's, there's quite a lot of people, given the nature of Hillary Clinton type of person she is. You don't have to look very far to find out the kind of person that she is. Uh, you can imagine that there's a lot of people who don't like her within her own camp because she's probably pissed off an awful lot of people. So the fact that these emails are coming out and being released, uh, the obvious place to look is inside her own camp. If any sanity prevailed, the place to look would be inside her own camp. But of course, that's not politically expedient for the general uh, thrust of American uh, foreign policy uh, these days, which is to demonize Russia. So anything bad that happens in America gets blamed on Russia. And of course, these emails are being, the release of these emails are being blamed on Russian hackers with no evidence whatsoever. Uh, Of course, that distracts from the nature and the fact that details within the emails, they keep trying to say, rather Russian hacking, Russian hacking, as if that means that you shouldn't look at them or something, or they're not valid. But of course, the implication is that, well, if they were hacked by Russians, they were probably made up by Russians as well. We don't, don't even, let's not even bother looking at them because they're Russian, you know. Uh, that's what they're trying to do to, to make it go away. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting story today, actually, in, in uh, UK Independent about, um, about, uh, <laughs> The title was Donald Trump stuns experts by refusing to accept intelligence on Russia. There's a story basically about the fact that uh, experts, uh, and I'll tell you who they are in a minute, experts uh, couldn't understand why Trump, who has been given a classified or secret document, whatever, a report by the FBI and the CIA showing that they are confident, quote unquote, uh, that, the, that the emails are, have been hacked by Russia. Uh, why he isn't accepting this and and talking about these uh, emails as being hacked by Russia and that it's Russia that's behind it. And of course, uh, so they're stunned. And the people who are stunned by it, uh, one of them is actually um, uh, <laughs> General Michael Hayden, the former director of the CIA. And national security and the NSA, he claimed that Trump was ignoring the advice he had been given that these emails are being hacked by Russia. He says, it defies logic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it doesn't defy logic. <laughs> it's obvious that uh, Trump wants to beat Hi- beat Hillary with big sticks. And a big stick is these emails that are coming out that expose her her her, her, her criminality effectively. <clears throat> so if Trump was to tout the fact that these are Russian hacked emails, he would be diminishing the quality and the value and the importance of these emails in the eyes of the public. He wants to make it, he doesn't want to talk about that they're from Russia and therefore don't look at them. He wants to just say, I don't know who did these, but anyway, let's look at the details. But apparently, according to the greatest minds in the CIA and national security, the former director, in fact, it defies logic. I can't figure out why Trump wouldn't be saying, Russia's hacking these emails, Russia's, ha-. well, because... He's fighting against Hillary. What's shut up? Yeah. Well, it also it also points out the whole dynamic of the intelligence agencies. This idea of intelligence that for for years, probably ever since the CIA has was founded, it is presented as 
and it's supposed to be looked at as this source of intelligence, of accurate information. So mm. presumably when the CIA or FBI or, or any group gives an intelligence estimate or uh, you know a memo on something, then automatically it has to be seen as true. So mm. just say, like the should. weapons of mass disruption of mass destruction, mm. right? So they present this information with Trump and he says, oh, you know, well, I'm just going to ignore that. And everyone's like, you know, their jaws drop. Well, but... How but can we, you ignore it? How can you... But it's... But we said it. Therefore, it must be true. <laughs> how can you question yeah. our authority? So, authority. <laughs> and when they get... And when, and when, of course, when the CIA, the FBI releases this intelligence report, it comes in a box. When you open the box, there's this, like, blast of kind of light comes out of it and an angelic choir sings as well as you read the words and you're just, like, blown away by the hardcore nature of the intelligence, you know? Yeah. It's very telling that he's not awestruck by probably his first sort of meeting slash threat from the intelligence establishment. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting to see what happens, you know, post-election, assuming mm -hmm. it's Trump, mm -hmm. when he has the next conversation with these guys. Mm -hmm. Anyway, in the meantime, um, Hillary is, is so sick, it's it'll be a miracle if she frankly survives, if she lives long enough to be elected. She's so sick that a, another first for U.S. elections is that President Obama is having to, to go out and speak at her rallies for her because she can't mm -hmm. even appear. In her absence, then, on the other side, Trump is going around and let's have a listen to a snippet from his speech two days ago in West Palm Beach, Florida. Actually, no. Yeah, we, we can't do that actually Just, right now, but maybe we can sum summarize it. I think I've got it here, actually. Oh, do you? Hang yeah. on a second, Harrison. Um um, um, um d is it um because i can maybe help you to get it <laughs> um well is it is it the one where he um yeah just yeah, it's about six minutes long okay well no, we'll i was thinking of it too much snippet but wait okay well we'll, we'll play it in a few minutes you should have it uh Pretty soon. Um, do, you do you have it there, Harrison? Yep, it's coming. It'll just be about 20 seconds. Okay. Yeah, it gives a lead into it then. Well, these, this isn't being reported in the, in the press, but he's going out and speaking regularly at these rallies, and he has got so many people turning up to begin with that they cannot fit in stadiums. Mm-hmm. The other thing is what he's saying. He's talking to them straight in a language they understand. And he, he has a, not to, you know, cast, not to be derogatory towards them, but he has a powerful mob. And they look like they are in the majority. I can't see how, unless they rig the outcome and or simply swing the college votes the right way, anyone but Trump has won the popular vote. Mm. All right, we've, we've got... Oh, just wait. Want to go to? We've got the clip now. Okay, let's let's have a listen. This election will determine whether we are a free nation or whether only democracy, but are in fact controlled by a small handful of global special interests rigging the system, and our system is rigged. This is reality. You know it. They know it. I know it. 
And pretty much the whole world knows it. The establishment and their media enablers wield control over this nation through means that are very well known. Anyone who challenges their control is deemed a sexist, a racist, a xenophobe, and morally deformed. They will attack you. They will slander you. They will seek to destroy your career and your family. They will seek to destroy everything about you, including your reputation. They will lie, lie, lie. And then again, they will do worse than that. They will do whatever's necessary. The Clintons are criminals. Remember that. They're criminals. This is well documented, and the establishment that protects them has engaged in a massive cover-up of widespread criminal activity at the State Department and the Clinton Foundation in order to keep the Clintons in power. Never in history have we seen such a cover-up as this. Wow. There you go. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, it's completely not to be said. When candidates go up against each other, no matter how much they want the position, there is a certain decorum and understanding mm. well, that they do not cross these kind of well, lines. That's because they're usually establishment individuals and they know what goes on and they don't want to go there. But you need someone who's from outside the system to even go there where he went, you know? Mm. So it's it's. I mean, this is to this is to the line. If Clinton doesn't win, she's it's a high, very high chance of going to prison, or worse. Um, she must win. So mm. she's been driven to to the wire, yeah. if you like, for her immunity. She'll do whatever it takes. Mm. Um, more importantly, though, because of how sick she is, uh, <sighs> the establishment which favors her needs to win. Hmm. Now, they can still talk to Trump post-election, you know, and try to reason with him. We'll see how that goes. But I think it's telling that given the unbelievable pressure he's under, how much flack he's taking, like, across the board, like, internationally, not just in the hmm. U.S., yeah. that he's getting up there and saying these things. Like, it's almost like he, he's thriving on it. He's taking what they're throwing at him and saying to the crowd, this is what they say. I mean, this is like, uh, I think this, was, could, this is going to be the opposite result. This week after Gropegate last week where they, you know, play their Trump card, mm -hmm. which was that Trump uh, has said this thing, you know, on camera mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Oh, God. Oh, this is, this is terrible. Oh, my God. And then they just opened the floodgates of, you know, other women coming forward and so on. I mean, the the British liberal, the Guardian, 
So I'll, that's it. That's it. Or the only question now is how much of a landslide Hillary's going to win mm-hmm. by. Yeah, every media outlet mm-hmm. was saying that was it for Trump. It's done. Mm. It's over. It's, it's over. over. Just forget about it. Yeah. yeah so are they going like to be suggestions. Just fold. Are they going to be shocked again? Then are they going to be eating, eating their words type thing? Uh, well, I don't understand with the Hillary business why anybody, how how the people in the Democratic National uh, Congress, whatever the Democratic Party, what they expect uh, from her. I mean. She's obviously got some kind of form of, you know, you know, aggressive dementia or something going on in her in her in her head where she can't kind of uh, go for very long, can't speak for very long, and uh, and doesn't look right basically. So how do they expect her to last for another four years as president? Oh, well, I mean, her case, her case kind of reminds huh? me of um, you know George Bush and. You know, you'd watch uh, some debate clips from when he was governor, and you know, he uh, as much of a uh, jerk as he is, you know, he he could debate, and um, you know, when he became president, like you know, it was just uh, just this flat line. So you know, you kind of wonder if um, if they wanted somebody in there who's basically just a, a body uh, to a figurehead, yeah. Yeah, maybe, but um, I, that's assuming that her condition isn't isn't more serious than that, where she wouldn't even be able to, right. you know, function in public. Basically, yeah. It's I think a lot of it's to do with Clinton herself. She, she might have been losing it rapidly, more so in the last few months. Mm. But what the emails are showing is a career, especially since she was senator and then uh, U.S. Secretary of State in the last fifteen years. A, a very clever from the pathological point of view career of, of buying influence. Mm-hmm. She became, she said, I mean, her husband set up this Clinton foundation. What the emails are showing is that she's basically uh, a lobbyist for hire, which is, is considered acceptable when you're out of government, but when you're in government, like even in the U S that's highly illegal. She's, mm-hmm. she's, she's the head of the state department and she's accepting money from Saudis for a favorable outcome on this or that or whatever deal's going on mm-hmm. while she's in the government. Mm. It's, it's, it's accepted, you know, that that happens when you're not in the government, mm. but when you're in it, I mean, it's like, no, no, no. So she, she has um, bought a lot of influence. Mm-hmm. It's basically explicitly stated in the emails that have been released where they're talking about, oh, this is going to help us. Can you help us? That the emails coming in from these foreign nationals or whatever. Oh, I, it's right there on the page. Yeah. And Trump is able to distill this in a few words yes. to the American people. He's able to say, what do you say? He said is simply that <clears throat> uh, the criminality in the State Department, he's referring to Hillary, that they understand what he means when he says that. Mm. That's all. It just takes a phrase. It can be summed up in a phrase. And he says it with gusto. Yeah, he's not saying all oh, the conspirators and all these crazy words. He's just, uh, the criminals. Mm-hmm. That's what people can understand. Yeah. yeah. You know? Uh, and yeah, he's been, you know, lambasted for his short, often inconsequential phrases. Mm-hmm. But Hillary is such that the, he provides him, she provides him the opportunity mm-hmm. to boil it down to a few tweets. Because mm-hmm. it can be. <laughs> Well, in in more ways than one, too. One of the uh, funny things that came out in these in these leaked emails was that Hillary was uh, that you know, they're basically trying to create this Pied Piper, yeah, know, 
and you know they were looking at Trump or Ben Carlson or Ted Cruz, and you know they went with Trump to throw their support behind him or to you know to to give him this uh, this leg up. And meanwhile, they, they, you know, it seems that they chose the wrong guy. I mean, if I were them, I would have gone after, I would have used Ted Cruz. I mean, he's so unlikable. <laughs> but, you know, mm-hmm. they, they just basically shot themselves in the foot. Yeah, because yeah, they, they probably, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say probably the same thing as you. They they figured that they had this dirt on Trump mm-hmm. and that he would be a repulsive enough figure that it would turn people off. But they forgot about the repulsiveness of Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Until it looks like it's, we've it's been revealed. Looks like we've got a caller. Yeah, it looks like we've got a caller. So let's let's take our call. Hi, caller. You're on the line. Hi, caller. You're on the line. Hey, Who do we have with Steven. Us? Hey, Stephen. Stephen in Florida. Hey. Yeah. So yeah. So I'm enjoying y'all's conversation. Look forward to it every week. Um, I try to, you know, I really struggle to just kind of step back and um, try to get a uh, try to develop, you know, some kind of macro narrative of what's happening and i think it's it's important of course to to uh focus on the uh the, the micro you know the debate this that and the other but what the heck is happening um how do you make sense of this on a macro level um it's it blows my mind um i was speaking with one of my clients and i try to be agnostic if i ever engage in politics i try to just we're, uh, we're not hearing you too well, Stephen. There's a little bit of a muffled. Sound. Okay, can you hear me better now? There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, excellent. But anyway, I was speaking with one of my clients, a millionaire, used to work for a big uh, German company, uh, Seaman, and the guy's mm-hmm. a nice guy. But when I when I just queried him on, like, yeah, what about this uh, pay pay for play? Uh, fund that uh hillary engaged she's doing this while she's secretary of state soliciting donations and and his his take on it was basically that they're doing good work with with aids and stuff like that that governments are are not up to snuff on right Mm. and um so it's pretty clear that he's going to be voting for hillary um and i'm just i'm just guessing that in the past, this guy was a uh, pretty much probably a solid Republican voter, and he's retired now, right? So, uh, but what it blows me away that um, it's I, it's hard to wrap my mind around that she could actually do this and still be walking the streets. She's Secretary of State. She's got a huge sus, uh, slush fund. She's aware that the Saudis and the Qataris are helping fund ISIL, the Islamic State, and she's taking mm-hmm. money from them while she's Secretary of State. Am, am I right on that? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. On, yes. On it's, 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 I'm, I'm just, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around because this is insane that she's even a candidate right now. And then they, um, I'm not, not, not to excuse Trump's boorishness, but that kind of boorishness goes with people in his position for decade upon decade, you know, and um, so they're just trumpeting, no pun intended, they're just trumpeting this stuff. Oh, he talked about grabbing, grabbing cat, you know, I'm sorry, you, you know, they just, they just like, and then, then, and now I just read an article by Finney and Cunningham that um, there's a, there's a likely push to eliminate Russian uh, media, international media from, from like France and, in Europe, mm. those 
that seems the logical conclusion of where this is going. So um, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm just having a hard time wrapping my my head around where this is going to be going because Clinton also has said that she will be ramping up the situation in Syria. Um, and, and the media, of course, they kind of give her a pass on it. They don't delve too deeply on what the implications of that would be. And um, mm-hmm. so anyway, yeah. this, the scary thing, the scary thing about about Clinton, about Hillary, when she says that is that you know, another candidate, you might think that they're just using it as a as part of their part of their kind of campaign for to get get votes, you know. I'm going to take care of this and I'm going to take care of that. You know, kind of like Obama. I'm going to close down, uh, I'm going to close down, um, Guantanamo, Guantanamo, Guantanamo and stuff, you know, uh, you'd think, you know, if it was a different candidate, you'd think that Hillary talking about, I'm going to you know, deal with the situation in Syria. I'm going to get rid of Assad, whatever. Uh, she was just lobbying, you know, and, and uh, tying it with, you know, and the humanitarian crisis there, you know, you'd think that they were just bluffing, you know, uh, but, based on her response to Libya and her involvement in the Libya overthrow of Gaddafi and murder of Gaddafi, I think that's personal to her. When she says that, she really does want to do something like that. Yes, I, I agree. But like I said, like I said about the macro that I'm trying to wrap my head around, you know, where we're going, um, it definitely seems that um, all of this, you know, the news reports about Hillary, the slush fund, this and that, it it we're just bombarded with corruption across the board day in and day out, you know, from Republican to Democrat. That it's we're, we're becoming kind of anesthetized to this corruption. So in other words, it's just so quotidian. It's just so every day that the net effect of it, you go year after year. It's like it, it's it causes us to like yawn a little bit and just like accept this as the the way it is this corruption yeah. is actually natural you know well, it's, it's i mean quite it's, i think you you wouldn't have so many people following trump if that were the case because i think you have a large group of angry people that he has managed to catalyze um as his base of support who i think haven't become anesthetized to that yeah they still retain the ability to kind of not want corrupt government. At least, uh, if they recognize something as corrupt, they at least kind of uh, given the option, they'll choose something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember that before yeah. the, the these current uh, Podesta leaks, which is the Hillary's chief of staff of her campaign, um, there was a whole other batch back in June, um, released not by WikiLeaks but by someone who set up a website called DNCLeaks.com. Mm-hmm. Which was the leaks that have it on paper that Hillary rigged the Democratic candidacy candidacy over uh, Sanders. Sanders. I mean, yeah, so it, there's been a steady there's been a steady release. So it's not uh, we're being overwhelmed with some of the smaller details, and some of them are big details, mind you, in the Podesta batches at, at the moment. But um, I I don't know I. I'm, I think I'm. I think what I'm getting is I disagree with you a little bit. I think uh, it's still it's still pretty fresh for a lot of people. I mean, uh-huh. Americans Americans know Congress is corrupt to the core. I mean, they kind of know that, right? And um, politicians are corrupt, but I don't know. Like they maybe expect the president to not be like that, to be above it, hmm. but to have it spelled uh-huh. out in black and white day after day. 
I think it could be having a transformative effect in mm-hmm. like a new effect. Yeah, put it, put it this way, Stephen, like the extent to which uh, people in the U.S. can be reached with the information about Hillary, uh, the core kind of information about her corruption and all that kind of stuff. And of course, they're being reached with the information about Trump and his, like, as you described it, boorishness. So everybody knows about that. But if people get, if, if, if the majority of American voters get the information about Hillary, uh, about her criminality, well, on balance, they're going to say they're going to vote for for Trump. You know, the majority of people, Trump will win a fair election, uh, given those kind of criteria where, where people are aware of, of the situation about both candidates, because uh, people know the difference between, they're still smart enough to know the difference between hardcore cr- kind of criminality and not wanting that in a president, you know, uh, compared to uh, Trump, who, you know, isn't being uh, accused of being a criminal in that way and always being accused of as being basically a, kind of locker room jock type of thing, you know, and, and sexist and stuff, you know. And I think yeah, given I'm, that I'm choice, also, people will go for Trump. Yes, and I, I would hope that you're right. You know, of course, I'm not voting. I'm not voting. I'm not a um, – I would definitely rather Trump win, but um, I'm just so disgusted with the, the whole system being gamed right now that I've made a commitment to not vote until I actually have something – that inspires me to vote and that may may never be in the rest of my life but that's a that's the position i've come from but you know it just it's just quite amazing how um hillary and the the media help her with the demonization of russia you know it's just all taking it's all about taking your eye off the ball of hillary's corruption but um how the deep state is behind Hillary. What I mean by that is Wall Street, the bankers, the military industrial complex, when the, the, when Pentagon. the Pentagon, when the Pentagon, it seems Ash Carter overruled, you know, what Obama would rather have had, you know, this, this, mm-hmm. it, it was leading up to a ceasefire where Russia and the United States cooperated in attacking um, Al Nusra components and Islamic state. Then the Pentagon comes in there in, in a, a Dar Azur, you know, bombs and, and kills over, you know, over 80, 80 Syrian forces and, uh, you know, over 100 mm-hmm. more wounded. That was just so incredible. And there was well, hardly people, a blip about it. Yeah. Go, go ahead. People were, ta- people were describing that as a kind of like a, a, almost like a soft coup or a kind of coup, to, coup that had happened, at least between the Pentagon and the State Department, where the Pentagon decided, no, we're going to do our own thing. And obviously the Pentagon has the ability to do its own thing because it did it, right? It overruled the State Department's kind of, um, you know, peace deal and stuff with Russia and just went ahead and ruined it. Uh, and they've mm-hmm. obviously got their own plan. And, and Trump is going to, if Trump is elected, obviously if Hillary's elected, she'll be fully on board with the Pentagon heads. But if Trump is elected, he's going to realize that uh, his executive branch and stuff doesn't have much say, at least in foreign policy, That it, unless he, I don't know, unless he starts firing people or something, but um, they're going to follow their own course, you know? Yeah, and, and I, find, I find it interesting that Trump has been so outflanked that if he even tries to come out and go, hey, uh, you know, like he, he did in the debate, he mentioned it in a very staccato rapid fire way about the United States um, actually helping ISIL. And it was uh, Iran, Syria and Russia that were actually fighting the Islamic State. He said that and I'm cheering him the whole way. But it's like he's been so outflanked for him to even like frame it in a way that Russia is acting in its own strategic interest. It's 
It's been steadfast in attacking terrorists. They, they have every right, and it, it's very rational of, of Russia to be concerned about this, these Islamic forces. He, he can't go very far in that direction, given how much the United States, the state, state of been in bed with the terrorists to overthrow Assad, and it started out with Libya, that um, there's very little that, that Trump can say without being the danger of him being framed as being Putin's boy or something along those lines. Mm, it's very, mm-hmm. dis- very yeah. disconcerting. You notice he stayed away from that. He's, he basically hasn't hasn't challenged them on that, and he just said repeatedly, "Listen, I don't have any dealings with, with Russia. I've never met Putin, and I promise you, I have no dealings with Russia." He's just kind of moving on from that. You know, uh, they're still trying, and the and the Hillary's camp are still trying to kind of push that on him. But I don't think that's going to gain much traction, and particularly for the for the reasons you just gave, is that um, the people who do have a maintain the ability to discriminate are aren't. Uh, it's not so easy for those people to kind of see Russia as bad because despite the propaganda, they still know that Russia is fighting ISIS. You know, they've been trying to, in the past couple of weeks, trying to say Russia is bombing Syrian civilians, bombing hospitals. I mean, the whole campaign is so transparent, but I don't think they have the power to twist to so many people's minds and turn Russia into, you know, uh, basically uh, a, 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 a country that's bombing civilians when for the past year, they have at least been given tacit kind of, um, uh, kind of, uh, or, or a, a certain level of um, credit for 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 bombing uh, or for attacking ISIS. You know, it's only in the past few weeks that they've turned around since the Pentagon basically uh, nixed that uh, deal that the State Department wanted, uh, the peace deal. And went on the offensive. Uh-huh. It's since then that Russia, that the campaign in the media, in the Western media, has been about Russia's bombing humanitarian convoys, Russia's bombing hospitals, Russia's bombing civilians. So, but they're coming to it late in the game, you know. And I don't, you need to have had a longer uh, kind of period of that propaganda to overwrite the propaganda from yes. most of the last year when Russia was seen as bombing ISIS. Yeah, and, and on that level, um, very disconcerting is that um, they, the, the way the progressive liberal left, um, you know, has been turned into neocons in, in promulgating lies about these. Uh, oh, we lost you, Stephen. We can't hear you. Uh, I'm just saying that the way that the liberal progressive left from democracy now and others, other intellectuals, um, Patrick Coburn, for example, um, they have been now they are the neocons. They are apologizing. They are they are um, they're giving cover for the United States uh, goals, imperialist goals in Syria. And um, so when most people hear this stuff about Russia, you know, attacking, you know, civilians and all that, they um, they really want they don't like Trump, so they would really want to believe that that's the case, and then we're the good guys in Syria, which is totally mm-hmm. the opposite of the truth, right? Right. Um, right. I'm, just, I'm just saying that uh, when you have the the stalwart like Democracy Now, basically giving cover for United States, uh, you know, promoting the white helmets, for example, they uh, Amy Goodman had a guest on, and they're just 
they're just giving propaganda right from the State Department. And this is democracy now, supposed to be an anti-war entity, uh, media entity. And it just I'm just amazed by it. And um, so yeah. I think that a lot of huge amount of the population that would be um, almost intrinsically, you know, to the left and anti-war, a, a good enough amount of those people have been kind of because of their own stupidity and lack of critical thinking. They've been kind of like slowly brought along to this position of where they could definitely vote for Hillary, um, even given this backing of terrorists and so forth in the, in the overall designs to destroy Syria. You know, a mm. huge amount of the liberal progressive left has been co-opted and, um, right. you know, with the propaganda. So anyway, I'm, I, I hope that I haven't had a lot of opportunity to look and look at the polls and so forth. I can only guess that the corporate media across the board have Hillary winning right now. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, but it's not true, probably. I, I yeah, I can, I all, all the independent polls, yeah, all the independent polls show Trump's ahead. Um, but yeah, the, the mainstream, you know, fake polls have a Hillary in the lead. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I, anyway, and I yeah, think, I think, I think they're actually, uh, the miss their, the media and stuff, uh, are misunderstanding the, uh, Misunderestimating. Mis- misunderestimating the Bushisms. I knew they'd come in handy. <laughs> yeah, they're, not, they're not understanding the demographics in the U.S. and the majority of the people who who are going to vote uh, are people who don't really care about foreign policy, don't really care about what's going on. People you're talking about who watch Democracy Now! and stuff, yeah, they've been co-opted and stuff. that let end up being uh, majority Hillary supporters, but... Um, uh, I think the average person in the U.S., you know, the rank and file, they don't really know where Syria is and don't care about mm-hmm. Syria, and they're only focused on internal American politics. And that's kind and of I where that's kind of where like the U.S. Majority. the uh, U.S. Yeah. propaganda has basically been working against itself because for the past fifteen right. years they've been training people not to care about you know foreign policy and um, right. civilians Remember, being killed. Right. Remember how Trump won the Republican nomination? I'm building a wall. The only way, yeah. The only, and they're going to pay for it. That's how <laughs> they want it. Right. The, the, on, the only way they're going to get, the only way you can get the American people to care about foreign policy and, and therefore give their support and vote to a, a warmonger like Clinton is if you, uh, is, is if you can convince them or convincibly argue that America, i.e. American people in America, are under attack by some foreign power. And then you get them, like, as as what as happened after 9-11. 9-11 was the big kahuna on that score. It, it provided so much political capital for Bush to kind of get re-elected. And, you know, people were interested. And, yeah, Bush is going to get the bad people who killed us on 9-11. Yeah, that's the extent of American people, the average American person's interest in foreign policy when they've been attacked and when they can remember. Right now, 9-11 is too far, too far gone. Russia, no one is saying Russia is a threat to any American person in America. Uh, and they're trying real hard to kind of whip up the Russian threat. But unless it's, unless it can be made, uh, the average person in America can, can be made to feel that they're under threat from Russia, they will not vote yeah. for a warmonger and, a, and, and a, an imperialist like Hillary. They'll focus back yeah. on internal internal U.S. dynamics, and on that score, Trump wins. 
Yeah, and I hope I hope you're right. I hope you're right. But um, the other thing is, um, okay, now if Trump doesn't win, now this is where I think it would be interesting. Um, I think it would be better for Trump to win for the for the for the peace the peace crowd here in the United States um, because they went to sleep when Obama came on board. Totally went to sleep. But if Trump loses, I would hope this guy is like seventy years old. I would hope this guy would put his money and his energy where his mouth is and 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 do something like a third part reform party because this mm-hmm. is this become it's become corruption has become so like entrenched and accepted that you almost yawn when you look at a story of new new revelations of corruption no matter where it comes from republican or democrat you know judges or bankers you just I would just hope that we that a, a it would it would it would at least start a conversation or a movement so we could get a third party going in this mm-hmm. country. That would mm-hmm. be the best thing that could happen. So, yeah. Anyway, that's about all I have to say. I'm enjoying y'all's program, and um, I'll talk to y'all later. Bye bye. Uh, all right. Thanks, Stephen. Thank thank thanks, Stephen. Well, I just wanted to say I, I checked out the um, the LA Times poll because they've been doing a, a long a, a running poll for like the entire campaign and if you look at it well today the results are uh, 44.5% support for Trump and 43.9% for Clinton so even the LA Times is is showing like a, a small lead Trump for ahead. Trump and just to comment on on the poll itself if you look at it I'll put the I'll put the link in the chat for for listeners who want to check it out um, but if you look at the way the the graphic is set up. Um, they've got, of course, the date, uh, the percentage points, and then they've got vertical lines for like the major events to show how, uh, like how the, the 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 results reflect these major events. So, of course, they've got the Republican National Convention, the Democratic National Convention, the first and second debates, and the only other event they have listed is. Trump's lewd remarks revealed on, on October seventh. Mm-hmm. So you can see Trump's support going like going down. Get it in there to get it in there. But now, uh, so he, they were pretty much equal for a couple days after the the remarks, and now Trump is just starting to to uh, to rise again, and uh, he's above Clinton. So mm. somebody in the chat room just said uh, in reference, I think, to my comment about nine eleven that nine eleven is not completely gone. There are still many ignorant Americans staying, still hanging on to that. Yeah, sure there are, but the point is that nine eleven has no connection to Syria and to Hillary Clinton's foreign policy, and what and has no connection to Russia. Hillary Clinton cannot get a majority or even a significant number of Americans to back her on the basis of her imperialist warmongering to support her in that policy because it's simply not important to the majority of ordinary Americans. The only way she could do that would be if she or someone in the U.S. intelligence agencies organized some kind of an, you know, some kind of a, an attack, a new 9-11 of some description, maybe a suitcase nuke or something like that uh, to, to shock the American people again and focus their ten- and attention back overseas if they were to blame it, for example, on ISIS uh, or Al-Qaeda in Syria did this and we need to get them. Yeah, then you would get a big upswell of people on the basis of a, a traumatic attack like that, a new one, uh, backing Hillary because she's going to go and get the bad guys halfway around the world. But that is not on the, her, her warmongering against Russia and Iran and Syria. 
is not important to the average American person because none of those countries uh, is in the average American's mind as being a threat or having done anything to America. Well, there's also the fact that 9-11 is remembered and I think the American populace has Al-Qaeda like stuck in their brains just from all the the propaganda about it and the warmongering that went on after 9-11. So I think even... Even the attempts by the State Department and the media to talk about what's going on in Syria can't really um, can't really succeed because even subliminally people get the message. So when you hear even even someone like Kirby or Toner, you know, t- talking at the State Department saying that our guys are intermingled with Al Nusra, however they try to spin it and say mm-hmm. it, it's they're still saying that our guys. Is. Our guys are intermingled with Al Qaeda. Now, how does even that mm-hmm. sound to the average American? I mean, it, well, it just makes them turn. It makes them turn off at the very least. Nobody's going to support her. Yeah. In a war in Syria, if she's if, if the State Department or it's getting out that the U.S. is in some way or other supporting rebels, moderate rebels, semi-moderate rebels, slightly extremist rebels, you know, rebels with a somewhat you know angry disposition, whatever they want to call them. If you're supporting those guys, then it's like, I don't want to know. You know, it's like, I'm either outraged if I think about it or, oh, it's too confusing. I don't want to know. So it doesn't generate that support for her uh, which in, in what she wants to achieve, which is uh, bombing Syria to get rid of the democratically elected government of, of Assad. So there's a delicious irony in all this that is I think part of the reason why it's it's all gone wrong, Inspector, mm. for the U.S. establishment. The war party is the is the liberal party, the one on the left. Mm. Yeah, and at the same time, simultaneously, that they're trying to be you know pro gay rights, pro women's rights, mm. and appeal to voters that way while appealing to. Well, we got to beat Russia. They're taking Syria on us. You know and, then, the, and then the right guy, the guy on the right, is we're building a wall, keep the immigrants out, yeah. while saying, you know what? Russia's with us. Mm. What about peace with Russia? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a complete switcheroo. Mm. And they're trying to parse the two of them and keep the message consistent, but it's all completely, the wires are crossed so badly, like yeah. blowing up in their face. Yeah. Their, their problem is that they, they can't explain to American people what's actually happening or what they're doing in Syria in any way that makes sense um, uh, while keeping the narrative that America is all about freedom and democracy. So their message becomes extremely confused and there's simply no way for them to tell anybody publicly what they're doing in Syria, what they want to do in Syria without... Uh, without making it completely confused and making it a, a non-message. People don't receive any information at all. The only way they could actually uh, tell anybody clearly and make it non-confusing would be to tell something close to the truth. But that truth would be extremely unpalatable and would be uh, would, would immediately contradict uh, the image of America as spreading freedom and democracy. They can't just come out and say, listen, we want to get rid of Assad because... Uh, you know, we want access to Syria's 
Syria as a strategic area of the world for uh, natural resource uh, reasons, you know, for transit of pipelines, etc., or for access to offshore oil and gas fields. Take away one in of the Mediterranean. Russians, Russia's main allies. We want to take away Russia. We want to screw over Russia. If they were just being honest, it would sound really bad. So they can't be honest. They have to make stuff up. But then making stuff up doesn't actually uh, make any sense, you know? Um, not creative enough. Right. Well, I mean, it's an impossible task, you know, when, like as Neil was saying, at the same time, they're, they, <laughs> they have to uh, come out and say stuff like we're intermingling our, the people we're, your tax dollars, Americans, are, are going to support are intermingled with Al-Qaeda in Syria, i.e. they're hanging out with them, i.e. they're the same person. And I mean, this word, to give you an example of of the extent to which are, are, are the, the focus that the great minds in the State Department and the Pentagon, etc., are, are where they're being focused. It's on, on the details and these fine details of the propaganda. Uh, for example, they use, they've been using this word intermingled, <clears throat> that our forces are intermingled with the terrorist forces. But I think someone obviously decided that that, uh, that term was bad because it's a bit too explicit. Because people are smart enough to say, well, you mean they're hanging out with them? You mean they're kind of with They're mingling? Is that what you mean? They're mingling? What is mingling? People go on, probably a lot of people looked it up in the dictionary and looked for the definition of mingling with, you know, and and, and it didn't sound good. So the State Department said, yeah, we've got to get rid of that, you know. So they came up with this term, marbleization. (laughs) What? Yeah, Kirby. Kirby, It wasn't Kirby. It was the other girl that replaces him sometimes, I think. Elizabeth uh, Trudeau. Whatever her name yes, is. Trudeau. No, Elizabeth Trudeau. Trudeau. No, she's gone. Is that California? Trudeau, yeah. Trudeau came out and said, like oh, yeah. Well, one of them and the, one of the reporters was saying, so about this uh, association, and he was even, he wasn't using the word in, intermingling, or maybe he did, whatever, but he was addressing this idea of American <clears throat> jihadi forces hanging out with Al-Qaeda and ISIS in Syria, and she listened to his question about that, and he said, oh, you're talking about the marbleization. <laughs> and he's like, I am? Okay, I am. And I was thinking, mar- marbleization. I mean, why the hell do these people come up with these terms, you know, to try and, try and you know, muddy the waters on the obvious fact that you are funding, training, arming, and supporting jihadi terrorists, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, in Syria to use them as an army to overthrow Assad, the Assad government, which you have been vociferously screaming for that's a bit of a redundant word but uh, for the past four or five years so it's just laughable at this stage there are attempts to kind of you know forge here's, the here's why the this this election has global consequences it's not that anyone should care who one or the other gets in but it in terms of the, the means they're using to, to grab the crown when Trump is saying the entire establishment lies, 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 is corrupt to the core, the reason why the establishment craps its pants isn't just because Americans will hear this, but the whole world will hear this. Mm. <laughs> so that's why he absolutely cannot get a platform in their eyes. Mm. He, he has one. He's got, you know, people in, in, the, in the US, he has their ear. For now, I'd say most other Western countries remain in the, oh God, he's a fascist. 
you know, image that was first thrown out there when he ran. But um, this this is why I think this is pretty momentous. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's all potentially crashing down for them. Yeah. The whole policy over the past, really since... Um, uh, you could go, I suppose you go back to the Russian-Afghan war, um, was uh, the whole policy of arming and funding radical Islamists to do their dirty work in kind of Central Asia and the Middle East, uh, i.e. overthrow governments and so discord uh, with a view to um, pushing back Russia, preventing Russia from coming onto the global stage and asserting its rights to, to being a, a major world power and also China and controlling all of those states within the Middle East. Um, that's what they've been doing and now it's all, and they progressed and took it to ridiculous extremes, uh, especially after 9-11. And now it's all, that big lie is basically coming out. The, the curtain is being pulled back on, on that, the fact that that is what they have been doing. And it's it's a really it's a monstrous lie because you know not only were they were they using these groups to kind of achieve their objectives of of, of war and conquest and overthrowing of governments in the Middle East and elsewhere, but at the same time they were telling everybody that now they had to go there um, to to fight these same forces that they were effect- effectively uh, while, facilitating while drumming it into Americans that these same forces. Attacked us on nine eleven. Yeah, I mean, it's one big giant horrible scam, you know, and it is being revealed uh, right now, and it's largely down to down to what, uh, particularly down to what Russia has done, you know. Um, that's all it took, really. That's all. The only thing that was needed was for someone to come along and call America's bluff on their. Uh, war on terror. There was nobody available previous to, you know, the past year or two, mm. but Russia was available and decided to do it. And they, I mean, America, after 15, 20, 25 years of doing this and and having got away with it, Russia, the Russians undoubtedly, I reckon undoubtedly, uh, saw that America was ripe for the plucking, basically. This was just a golden opportunity. All we have to do is basically just call their bluff, uh, go in there, kill the terrorists that they say they were fighting, when in fact, but that they weren't fighting, they were actually using. Go in, take them at their word, take them at their propaganda, go in and bomb the terrorists in a particular country where the US says it is, but in fact it's simply using them to overthrow a government, and then see what they do. Let the chips fall where they may. The, the, they put the Americans in a position where they either have to back away or, or join you or actually get on board and start doing what they've claimed to be doing all along and stop doing what they have been doing all along, which is funding terrorism, or they will have to uh, you know, double down on their tactic, in which case they, they will be exposed because they cannot avoid doing exactly what they have done, which is uh, screaming at Russia more or less saying, stop bombing our terrorists. Mm. And that's exactly what has happened. Well, I just want to read something, um, something related because uh, Bashar Assad just gave a couple interviews, one to a Danish uh, station. And of course, Denmark was 
self-implicated in the attack on Derazor, and then he also gave one to um, the Russian newspaper. But in the in the Danish one, he says something about the the moderates, and I like the way he said it. I think it's probably one of like the best descriptions of of the ceasefire and what kind of went down with that. So uh, the interviewer asks, um, "But isn't it very difficult for the United States to separate the so-called so-called moderate rebels and some of the more radical ones?" This is very difficult when you are attacking the moderate rebels all the time. So Assad responds, You are right. Do you know why you were right? Do you know the unicorn, the animal that's like a horse with has a long horn? It's a myth. And the moderate opposition is a myth. That's why you cannot separate something that doesn't exist from something that exists. All of them have the same grassroots, the same grassroots that used to be called the Free Syrian Army four years ago, five years ago, then it became al-Nusra, then it became ISIS. So the same grassroots moves from group to another group. That's why they cannot separate, and they don't want, if this is a reality, not a myth, they don't want, but they cannot, because it doesn't exist. So she asks, or he asks, but why did you ask them to do it if it's not possible? He responds, because they insisted that there is a moderate opposition. And the Russians told them, okay, if there is a moderate mm. opposition, please separate those sure. moderates from yeah. the extremists. And it didn't work because they don't exist. That's why. That's a perfect. That's a perfect analogy. Actually, I'm just having that image of like field of horses, you know, yeah. and, and the U.S. saying, "Leave those horses alone, Russia. We've got unicorns in there." Like, okay, take your unicorns out. Uh, well, it's basically no, it's, it's, I, I can't. Uh, I can't find it, them. You, you can't demarbalize a steak. The horses. <laughs> You know, how, how do you demarbalize a steak? You know, it, 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 it won't be a steak anymore. Right, or cheese. No, but, but even more, well, you can demarbalize a steak and take the fat out of it, you know what I mean, in theory. But, the fact but then it won't be a steak anymore. Saying, yeah, but, as, but what Assad was saying that there, this is, you know, there was a marbleization of a steak that has no fat in it. The marbleization is <laughs> yeah. the fat in a steak. Yeah. But they're talking about, look at that, that steak is marbleized. No, but everybody can see there's no fat in it. It's not marbleized. It's just a chunk of meat. Right, you know, it's, and the, the 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 horses one, you know, evil horses, <laughs> the dark evil horses, the flaming red eyes, you know, and Russia's like, we've got to do something about those those devil horses, you know, we're going to kill them. No, there's beautiful unicorns in amongst those, and they're American unicorns. You can't bomb them because you kill the unicorns. I'll just take them out then. Uh, <laughs> Pink elephant, look. Where are they? <laughs> unicorns. Oh, just wait. It looks like we've got another anyway. caller. Hi, caller. Who are you? Are you on the line? Uh, G'day, Harrison. This is uh, Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Uh, I'm in Australia. Hey, Ryan. How's it going, guys? Good. Not too bad. How yourself? Um, Yeah, not too bad. Um, Yeah, um, I haven't haven't been paying too much attention to the whole Trump versus Clinton thing. over the last sort of few weeks, because to be it, to be honest, it's just like it's such a fast that it, it's and there's been so much other important news going on that uh, mm. it's kind of been it's like a circus and everyone's going like, oh hey, like you know, look at this circus that happened, this happened, this happened, and I'm just like, it's a circus. Like over here, there's like you know actual you know these terrorist you know bombing like people in mm-hmm. Syria and, um, you know, the, the Russians are actually engaged in sort of major um, efforts to you know, create a world peace. And this is the sort of stuff that should be getting more coverage. And the, the whole, like, the, the um, unfortunately, like the alternative media in Australia um, 
seems to have become very caught up in the whole US presidential thing. A lot of otherwise fairly cluey commentators seem to be um, talking a lot about, oh, Trump's Trump's sexism and um, Trump did this and Trump did that and, oh, we can't let Trump, you know, hashtag never Trump sort of thing. Like, And it's very much following that whole um, liberal liberal left kind of um, um, elitist, elitist liberal left sort of um, narrative out of the U S mm-hmm. and, and uh, it, it's a little, it's been a little bit frustrating because it is like these people have normally been so on point with like a whole heap of other issues, just like with um, social justice, corruption, all that kind of thing. And um, yet they sort of have turned, they, they've kind of just, focused on the on the um sensationalist aspect of it and just sort of gone oh we, we can't have like you know, we can't have trump as as a president because of you know like he's allegedly groped uh, groped women or something like that and it's like um i mean I'm, I'm not even exactly sure if these allegations are true like because it seems like there is some question about that even um, it, like it wouldn't surprise me. You, um, Trump, like you, you were saying, Trump seems to have that locker room kind of thing happening. But um, what, one thing that I have found interesting about it is um, that I've seen a few comments um, about um, how, the, like, Bill Clinton scandal is like, and the, and the things Bill Clinton has done in the past. Like, a few people are now starting to bring up, "Hey, hang on a sec, you, you guys are." Um, claiming Trump did all of this stuff. Now, Clinton has done this stuff too. Like there's, you know, there's people who who are saying, hey, you know, Bill Clinton raped me sort of thing. And like, you know, like Trump, I think Trump had gave a press conference where he had um, women who claimed that they were raped by Bill Clinton. And he had them um, at the last seen... debate. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The, the, it, it seems it seems now like just sort of maybe in the last few like last half a week or so that 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 um, Trump seems to have almost sort of gone through the worst of worst of the the media barrage about it and now it's almost blowing back onto the Clintons with all of these revelations that hang on a sec you know Bill Clinton was doing all of this sort of stuff and um, like. I'm starting. I'm starting to wonder if that could actually cause a problem for them. In that, um, it's is now starting to shine a light on some of the things that Clinton was doing and showing that hey, this is this is sort of behaviour is, um, if not worse behaviour, has been going on. You know, with with the Clintons for like quite a long time, uh, mm-hmm. and sort of like yeah, possible. I mean, like you say, when you talk about the the the, the general culture of US. Um, presidents over the last you know f- yeah few administrations the like it seems like sort of sexual scandals and things like that have uh, have been um part and parcel like the whole bush thing with the um like homosexual um uh, prostitutes going to the white house and all that sort of thing uh, like it it seems like there's just been this sort of dirty um like undercurrent of um, of sex scandal through through the last few administrations of the White House, um, I suppose Obama's been able to keep himself pretty clean on that front. But um, I, it wouldn't surprise me if there was some other if something like that going on in the background with him too. Um, it just seems to sort of be part and parcel of that that kind of culture. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's um, not um, like you're saying. It seems it seems like it's 
part of the part of the general culture and and it, it just over the last few days it seems like it might possibly blow back onto the Clintons now and um and makes me wonder if they might need to drop that narrative um, in case it starts to, and they have to come up with something else um, because otherwise people might start saying, well, hang on a sec, you know, if we look yeah. into the, the nitty gritty of all of this, like, you know, the Clintons are quite exposed here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like the Clintons are just this massive rat infestation. And, you know, when you have, uh, when you have a case of this, it's it's that there's so many rats behind the walls that during the days during the daylight they start to come out and so whenever the Clintons try to say hey look at this uh, uh, Trump issue there's a you know there's dozens and dozens of other things that coincide with the the Clintons that you know show just that how much worse they are so yeah I don't think that there's anything that they can you know anytime that they try to put something out there to you know point the finger. There's so many things about them that you know just keep coming out. So, yeah, yeah. they're just continuing to shoot themselves in the foot. Mm. One other thing that um, occurred to me um, just before we were talking about the CIA and um, and sort of the, the the lack of intelligence kind of thing is um, there, there was an episode, one of the first um, Colbert, um, Stephen Colbert. Um, episodes of the Late Show uh, when he took over from um, uh, John Stewart. Um, uh, no, no, not just uh, David Letterman um, oh, yeah. on uh, when he when he took over the Late Show. Um, oh, yeah. He he had he had Donald Rumsfeld on as one of the earliest guests, oh. and um, and he he interviewed him and he and he um, he actually made him um, he got a really interesting quote out of him Rumsfeld. Um, said um he was talking about intelligence and and facts and everything like that and rumsfield said um <laughs> well that that's not how intelligence works if it's a fact it's not really intelligence yeah. and, right. and talking about the cia and, and and intelligence and the iraq war and everything it's kind of like hang on a second so you're saying that the cia is putting out intelligence that has nothing to do with facts right it, it seemed like a perfect example of that Exactly, yeah. Yeah, their intelligence is all paranoia, basically, you know, and suppositions and, you know, uh, this is what we think might be the case type thing, you know. Mm. Well, there are known knowns and there are unknown knowns, and then there's things we think we know, but then there's the things we think we know that we don't know. That's a Rumsfeld quote all that back in the day. <clears throat> yeah. It was, it was interesting. Um, Colbert sort of said, brought up oh isn't there a fourth option there's the um was the unknown knowns the things that we know that we tell ourselves that we don't know in order to like go with some kind of convenient (laughs) narrative like Mm -hmm. bombing iraq or something and uh, and that really threw rumsfeld it sort of yeah it got him that that's when he sort of then stated the quote about intelligence not having any facts (laughs) yeah exactly but yeah all right um, Great show, guys. You've um, been really oh. enjoying it. Okay. Thanks for your call and your comments. Thanks, Ryan. No problems. Take it easy, guys. You too. You too bye. bye. So, we're reaching the top of the hour. Okay, guys, your predictions. Who's going to win? What are we predicting for? I think Trump is going to win the popular vote. You know, predictions are only only interesting when there's some money involved. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Bo knows that. Show me your money. Show me your money. How much? How much are we putting down here? How many fine American dollars? Put your money where your mouth is. 20, 29 American cents. Ooh. Ooh. Eyeball player. <laughs> High roller. <laughs> I can believe it when I say it. When I say it, I actually want Trump to win because about four months ago, I was like, this guy's a fascist and mm. with the whole wall talk and mm. uh, everything you knew about him. Um, but uh, it's pretty remarkable how much has changed in about three or four months. Mm. Uh, you know, whether or not that makes a difference if he's a president or not, I don't know. But uh, the 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 desire to see Hillary lose is probably part of that as well. You know, I, I would like, I would plead the fifth or yeah. whatever else uh, on, or just abstain on the basis that this is not uh, it's a, a sham. It's not a fair choice, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, but in terms of predictions, who's going to win? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a good chance that um, that Trump will win. You know, if I mean, of course, yeah, we could throw in the whole rigged election business. In yeah. which case, there's no point in uh, thinking who you think is going to win because what people vote for is has, has no relevance yeah. I mean, if, if elections are rigged. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that uh, probably given all the details about Clinton and stuff, her health and the fact that the stuff about her being a criminal and stuff is, uh, is enough to, to swear people towards Trump. And for the main reason I said, even, maybe even along with that, or maybe even more so than that, is that the fact that she harps on about Russia so much and she's trying to attract voters, uh, at least partly because of her foreign policy, and her fixation on Russia and Syria and foreign stuff, that that doesn't fly so much with the American people anymore. They're not so much interested in that. And they want a president to sort out the problems in the country, and they want a president to be focused largely on the problems in the country. Yeah. And Trump is doing a lot better on that score uh, than her, mainly because uh, he doesn't talk so much about foreign policy. When he talks about foreign policy, he talks about good things. Effectively, he says, we're going to sort out problems. We're going to work with Russia. We're going to work. He's, he's, he talks about uh, cooperation effectively, effectively. And that's, for the average person, uh, I'd say in America, it's like if they want to hear anything about foreign policy, it's just that we're going to sort things out and do good stuff. Yeah, we're going but to end globalization going, and bring more jobs back. And we're going to, uh, yeah, we're going to do that. And we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to deal with terrorism, but you don't need to worry about that. We've got partners overseas, but Clinton's doing the opposite. She's like, you know, we got a bomb and kill and she, there's a real overture of, uh, in her statements that, you know, uh, she wants to destroy things and that, that doesn't, it's not so appealing for the average person, you know, it just sounds like more chaos, especially when people back in America, a lot of them are, are suffering in one way or another and have a lot of issues, domestic issues that they want sorted out. And, uh, and the person who doesn't focus on that is, is missing that big demographic of people who just, are focused inside the country. But we'll see, you know, I don't know. But what about other predictions? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if if things continue on this trajectory, you see Trump bounce back pretty quickly, you know, after, you know, all all the uh, Clinton has has thrown at him. So if things do continue, you know, with with pretty much the, the same type dynamic going on, I could see... 
Trump coming out on top. But I think that if he does, it, it'll be kind of like the the first Bush election where was it Gore won the popular vote, but uh, mm-hmm. but Bush won the electoral college, something like that. If it's rigged in such a way that um, that Clinton wins, but it's clear that that Trump was the actual winner, then I don't know. I think that we might have some some Trump uh, brown shirts on the streets. Mm. That, <laughs> like mm-hmm. the, the Trump mob yeah, might Jones. be very angry. Well, we have Alex the, Jones will be, be yeah, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. He'll be a revolution. Get your guns, seventeen seventy six. We'll rise again. Well, we have the final um, debate coming up on Wednesday, <clears throat> so we'll have to see what kind of performance we see there. And uh, if it's not going to help Hillary at all, I I just can imagine something happening in Iraq or in Syria that'll, you know, like you said, maybe a false flag or some catastrophe or even, that's or even in the u.s too you know you wonder well that's going to put the foreign policy out there where clinton is supposed to be real strong oh we're going to get them so they got they have to mm. announce you know, have something happen to make everyone turn their attention to that oh oh my gosh they really are they hit some of our mm-hmm. troops or whatever you know we got to go in there and do something about it so but here's the problem with that is they usually need a long time to plan yeah they're false flags. They see something happening like this. They can't just go the next day, three day foot, three days later, one week later, and do something. Uh, they can try. It would be sloppy. Like the their Turkish coup probably was planned, you know, for a month or so, but it was extremely Months. sloppy. Well, look at Mosul. You know? I'm thinking Mosul. What about what about it? Well, it's it's been a long time of planning. And there could be an accident there because they're already talking about ISIL putting up booby traps everywhere in the city. So. Hmm. Yeah, um, maybe, but I don't. I don't know what what effect that would necessarily have. I mean, I think yeah. the thing, the only thing that uh, really would really, if you really wanted to, American get, soil. Yes, exactly. If you really yeah. wanted to get a lot of political capital for doing something, it has to be in America. Yeah, um, totally. It has to be at home, yeah. uh, and that's obviously doable as well. You know. But yeah, what, what when things happen, when things happen overseas, you know, in in Iraq or uh, Syria, Afghanistan, you know, just American, yeah, they, happens, they, right? they don't, yeah, they don't. Mm-hmm. But if it involves American troops, almost, uh, even yeah, then, but even then, they're yeah. they're fighting in a war and they're heroes, whatever, yeah. fighting against terrorism, you know. Uh, but what are our predictions on terms of uh, evolving Syrian business, you know? Or Yemen, or whatever. Do you know why? Do you know what what's going on in Yemen? Well, the ship got hit for the well, uh, uh, allegedly attacked for the yeah, third time just this weekend. T- tell me, tell me why? Why do you why do you think? Uh, why do you think? What are the Saudis doing in Yemen? Why are they so interested? Why is the Saudi slash USA having a a nice little war in Yemen? Why have they been doing that for the past what two years? Who knows? They know no other thing but to kill people. That's not an answer. Yeah, well, it sort of is an answer. Just kill people. <laughs> but do we know? It uh, seems to be over natural resources. Mm-hmm. And yes, and its location. Yep, near the Gulf of Aden. Key choke point. That's in, in the in global global shipping routes. Bab al Mandab Straits, which is right down there at the bottom of the Red Sea. It's right on the you know where where the Red Sea opens out, out into you know so from the Suez Canal down out into. Uh, the, the, you know, the, whatever it's called, the Gulf of Aden, Arabian Gulf or Gulf of Aden, and out in, over into the Indian Ocean. And that's where an awful lot of Chinese um, uh, oil and other products are shipped, 
particularly oil, to feed the hungry Chinese economy come from Saudi Arabia and other Gulf states down there and out to uh, to supply chi- to supply China. So it's a very strategic area. I mean, you can cut off, you can blockade those straits very very easily. Uh, and just recently, Chinese opened a. The Americans have right across the border in uh, Somalia, right across the water in Somalia, on the Horn of Africa. The Americans have uh, Djibouti, have a base in Djibouti, and the Chinese just opened a base in Djibouti because the Chinese also get a bunch of oil for their economy from from Africa mm-hmm. uh, that transits over, uh, kind of through Somalia as well, and like from Kenya and stuff. So th- there's a whole kind of big game going on there that um, that that isn't really talked about, you know, uh, the, the underlying kind of geopolitical reasons. Mm-hmm. This includes Syria, Iran, Afghanistan, um, all of the kind of stands around in Central Asia there. It's even stuff going on with India and Pakistan right now. And of course, China and the Philippines. I mean, it's a big kind of uh, uh, squabble, basically. It's, it's, a, it's a rush at this point for to, by, by the Americans to stop effectively uh, Eurasian integration and and Europe from ultimately falling away and falling into Eurasia and falling away out of uh, from U.S. dominance and influence, and basically most of the rest of the world really falling away uh, from the U.S.'s uh, pocket, effectively. Um, Seems to be a similar reason for why they're acting up over in the South China Sea as well. Right, absolutely, yeah. Uh, just on the other side, though. So they're trying to choke point China right. and Eurasian integration on both sides. Right. Oh. Had, I mean, just last last year, the 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 Americans and the Australians had the uh, biggest war game, naval war games ever, and the 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 strat the the kind of uh, what do you call that the their plan or their projected projected scenario for the war games was cho- being able to uh, blockade or choke off the Malacca Straits, which is once it gets out of the strait that run past Yemen there. All of the Chinese shipments mm. go through have to go through the Malacca Straits, which is in between little strait in between Indonesia and uh, Malaysia, Sumatra. And their plan was their 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 their, their game plan uh, was to militarily blockade that strait. So it's basically all about um, cutting off, reeling in, thwarting, pushing back, containing. Russia and China, and it's uh, and what those two countries, primarily along with Iran and Syria, even in the Middle East, are are trying to do in terms of uh, securing resources for themselves, which they're fully entitled to because they live on the Eurasian continent. They're the two biggest countries on the Eurasian continent, uh, and Russia, even more so, has most of the resources that are currently available on the Eurasian continent in terms of oil and gas. It's in Russia. Russia's, Russia's territory and America is basically trying to stop them doing what is absolutely natural which is sell the resources amongst each other and amongst the countries in between them and establish these kind of links because especially Russia wants to establish a lot of pipelines gas pipelines in particular because gas is much more plentiful uh, at this point uh, and, easily, and more easily extractable than the, la- the remaining reserves of easily extractable oil. So gas is kind of like being pushed by Russia as the new energy solution. And um, and gas obviously trans- uh, is most easily exported and, and uh, supplied to countries via 
physical pipelines as opposed to oil, which generally is shipped in big tankers across seas. But across Eurasia, you could have a network of basically gas and oil pipelines, physical pipelines that would serve as actual, you know, physical connections, not just physical connections between all of these countries that are dependent on it, but they're all also obviously uh, economic and political connections mm-hmm. between all of those countries. And when we talk about Eurasia, you're talking about what, 80% of the world's population and about the same amount of its natural resources. Mm-hmm. And the last thing, and you're talking about here from Ireland or whatever, the west coast of Europe, to uh, Kamchatka, or, or uh, basically, including Japan even, mm-hmm. that whole chunk of the world, you know, just basically leaving out Australia. Well, it actually might even include Australia, though they don't deserve it. Uh, just leaving out North and South America. The rest of the world basically is, including Africa even, is, uh, is more or less... Uh, land-linked, and America wants to stop the development, in particular, economic development of many of those countries, technological development of many of those countries, and them being in a position to do what would be natural for them to do, which is cooperate, exchange goods, and become a kind of economic block. Because in that case, it's like, this is Eurasia, and sorry, America, you're not part of it. It Which is a complete... Disaster for American Empire, you know. Yeah, is, is, the, I mean, it, uh, they're stretching. Are they stretching themselves so thin that they can even handle all these different well, they can't. places? That's the thing, man. Isn't know? that isn't that the fatal flaw of all empires? Yeah. Because, I mean, it's ultimately supply lines. You, your empire goes too far, and you can't maintain yeah. the supply line. They're, you're vulnerable to attacks and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Look at America. America has. To, why does America have? How many does it have? Ten or something? U.S. Uh, or sorry, uh, aircraft carriers. Uh, believe it's ten. The most aircraft. It has the most aircraft carriers of anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think France made. France has one, maybe mm-hmm. two. France what? has one. one. Russia has, has one. one. The Brits don't have one. They're trying to build one, I think, but they don't have mm-hmm. one. So basically, Russia has one, France has one, and America has ten. <laughs> Why? Because America has these big floating barges, full bristling with arms and weapons, to float them off around the sea, perch them off the coast of a country, to threaten and dominate that country, and if necessary, blow it to pieces. To secure the American realm, the American empire. Yeah. But that's not, I mean, you can't do that forever, especially when you have a country like Russia uh, and China in particular, who are, you know, have built up their militaries and are able to defend themselves from their own territory. So you've got, what are you going to do? You can put all, you can put all 10 aircraft carriers if you want off the coast of Russia in the, in the east or off the coast of the Mediterranean. But there's still not enough because the vast majority of American supplies are still back at home and are made back at home. If you need to resupply it's American companies that have to make them. And they have to be transported all the way from America, all the way over to your aircraft carrier, which is your floating kind of like mini colony that's going to threaten this country. Russia and China are vast countries with their vast resources and all of their weapons are on their country, on their territory. I mean, that is a big difference. Russia can get, uh, you know, uh, if it ever came to a shooting war, Russia's rockets could be resupplied in, in a tenth of the time that America can resupply when it runs out. Oh, that so just the idea wide. of it ex- being extended across the world is a big vulnerability and it's one that's uh, that the americans are grappling with right now and the only reason it's a vulnerability is in the context of there being someone to challenge it it was never a vulnerability before it was seen as a superiority that you could put an aircraft carrier off the coast of a country and threaten to blow it to smithereens but as soon as there's a country that can say no suddenly your aircraft carrier doesn't look too uh, fancy anymore and in fact the americans know in the pentagon they know that russia has had for many years missiles that can blow the crap out of US aircraft carriers if they chose to. 
Yeah, it also I, seems why that the the U.S. really needs to have the chokehold over Europe uh, to you know utilize NATO for you know a lot of these operations. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Oh, because Europe is is an extremely hungry, uh, also an extremely hungry energy hungry. Effectively, it needs it has very little uh, gas or oil resources of its own. It needs them from where well from the Middle East. Uh, including Syria, Iran, from Russia. It gets a lot of them from Russia. And that, again, is the, are these kind of strategic or political economic ties that tie Europe to Russia. And the U.S. wants to break that at all costs. So that's why they've been talking, they've been pressuring the EU into diversifying their energy pl- supplies away from Russia, i.e. stop taking stuff from Russia because that gives Russia an influence over you, or rather it means that you and Russia are friends. We don't want you and Russia to be friends. We want you to stop taking gas from Russia, and we are going to try and find sources of gas to 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 get to supply Europe uh, from somewhere else, from our friends in the Middle East. Oh, but look, there's some in Syria. There's some off the coast of Syria, but Assad isn't our friend. He's a friend of Russia. What are we going to do? Send in the jihadis, and then we'll get rid of him. Then we can culminate or bring to fruition our grand plan to supplant all of the supplies that uh, gas supplies that Europe gets from Russia, give them to you from some little tin pot kind of dictator state in the Middle East that we have set up. Or we'll give it to you from the big, the world's only national gas station in the world, which is Saudi Arabia, was created as a gas station. There's nothing else but a bunch. There's a gas station effectively with a bunch of nut job head choppers. Uh, you know, in, in charge of it. Uh, Saudi Arabia consumes, uh, well, Saudi Arabia gets 75% of its revenues, the government gets 75% of its revenues from oil. And the other 25% of its revenues, i.e. all of its income, the Saudi Arabian government, all of its income, the other 25% comes from basically oil tourism. So it's, it's, it's nothing but oil with a bunch of, like I said, nutcases r- ruling it. And they, per capita, uh, consume more oil. A country of 26 million people consume more oil than every other, not combined, but every country in Europe. than Germany, for example, that is like four or five times its population and an economy that is five times that of Saudi Arabia. The Saudis consume more oil per capita than Germany. They're only second to the USA in terms of oil consumption per capita. So, I mean, that's just, I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm going too far down the rabbit hole there, but uh, what were you going to say, Neil? <laughs> no, I don't think it's a rabbit hole at all. It's, it's the hard, cold kind of layer of the macro, as Stephen was, was, he wasn't pointing this, he was thinking of the macro of what the elections mean, but this is the even bigger macro of, of world geopolitics. In the end, this empire was doomed to fail because of geography. Mm-hmm. It, it set up base or it formed or however you want to, I don't think, I think it's a structural thing. It's not what people said at the beginning, right, where are we going to have our empire take over the world? Whatever way it came about that the world hegemon is located on an island and everything they want is out of reach mm-hmm. for them, which means they were always doomed to come to this position. Mm-hmm. And that's very interesting. I don't know what it means, but it's bizarre. Really interesting. Because they couldn't keep it up forever. And 
we're witnessing the end, basically. We got a call on the line here. So, caller, are you on the line? Hello? Hello. Hello, caller. You are connected. Um, oh, there we go. to the mainframe. Guys, I think my equipment is messed up. My oh, well, we, we can hear you. You can't hear us? Fix it. Uh, right now, I just I can't hear what you guys are saying. So oh. Really... Um, All right. Next time. I think that was... I think I know who that was. Uh, next time. Anyway. Um... Do we want to call it a night? Let me say a night. Yeah, I think we can call it a night. I think that's all the news that's fit to print. Fit to, print. <laughs> fit to talk about. Mm-hmm. Unless. Uh, all right. Yeah. We'll be back next week, of course. So. <laughs> and we'll we be will. able to talk. We'll be able to talk about the. Well, we'll see if it's worth talking about the the third debate. I'm I'm hoping for some fireworks because I was I was uh, I was always expecting the third one to be the most uh, worth watching. Uh, the second mm. one was was pretty darn worth watching. So <laughs> I was expecting Hillary to just break down and. Well, we could always hope Trump. Oh no! Physically, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just scream and yell and maybe for the third. Well, we can we can hope. You'd yeah. have to really dope her up for that. <laughs> Yeah, I think she's right on the verge. There's some special drugs. All right. So thanks, everyone, for okay. listening. Thanks to uh, Stephen and Ryan for calling in. And thanks uh-huh. to all the chatters for chatting away while we're talking. And, yeah, we'll see you all next week. So everyone take care and good night. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks. Have a good day, folks. Good night. Good evening. Bye-bye. Good night. <laughs>